right now uh, we are uh, with the members of Air Party and uh, Air Party it's a club of, uh, of builders, community builders uh, from Passion Economy. So basically we are uh, newsletter authors, podcast creators and uh, guys uh, like, like this. And today uh, we are pleased to welcome Rosie Cherry who is a community builder of Indie Hackers. As a great website uh, for indie projects, and uh, so um, welcome, Rosie. Thanks so much to joining us uh, to uh, tonight. We are um, spend maybe forty five minutes, one hour uh, sharp uh, with uh, six of us, and we'll try to um, to ask you our um, best questions about community building um, because each one of us will uh, try to. Uh, transform our audience to something more human. So uh, behind the, the mic um, tonight, we have here Alexi Kovalenko. Alexi uh, uh, just created um, a great uh, community of no-code no uh, people in France. We have Marie Dolay, we launched a newsletter about uh, game changing called In Bed With Tech, it's a Substack newsletters and just launched launched uh, two months ago and um, she has a great, great growth. Uh, she even tried a, a, a Telegram group behind Substack, which worked pretty well. Remy Rivas, it's an uh, innovation designer, um, which know very well as a concept of uh, community building and uh, uh, he learned me a lot of things about that. Uh, Pascal, uh, who worked into an accelerator in the city of Lyon, and uh, she was a community builder of this accelerator. Aurelien uh, work on a big corp uh, corporation in France, and uh, he will launch a newsletter about industry for good, and you uh, still get now a blog about B2B marketing. And Ange Michael uh, launched um, a newsletter about VC and uh, uh, Africa and uh, all kind of um, diversity uh, representation uh, on uh, investment. Uh, Rosie, thank you. And I will um, ask you the, the main question. Um, is there a community behind each indie project for you? Uh, no, I don't think so. No. Uh, I think, uh, do you mean indie projects in general? Like for any indie yeah. hackers? Yeah. Yes. I think. Uh, yeah. I mean, I think in the world today, it's like community is is like all. Of, it's it's not mandatory, and I think everybody seems to want community, um, but they don't have a real reason to have one. And a lot of people think just like having a list or 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 you know broadcasting and having an audience as a community. Um, but the, for me, there's, there's very much like a, a big difference between an audience and a community. Um, and I, I don't think a lot of people quite seem to understand that. And there's a lot of talk I see, at least on Indie Hackers, it's like people um, wanting to start a community, whereas they shouldn't be because really, you know, there, there, there just isn't always a need for community. Um so it's like, you know, it's it's the in thing now, I think. I think everybody wants a community because they see how much, how valuable a community can be. 
but they're probably not willing to put put in the actual work to to create what a real community is. Yeah. Okay. So it's going to be a pretty generic question, but I really would be very happy if Rosie could uh, elaborate about what she previously told. Uh, everybody here today, well, most of the people we know say that they want to build uh, communities when really most of them want to build audiences. And I'd really uh, be very happy if Rosie could detail uh, the key differences that she observes between what an audience is and uh, what define a community from her point of view. Yeah, sure. So for me, the, the main difference is an audience is kind of based around uh, the, the founder or founders of, of the, the audience or, the, or what they might call community. So they typically, you know, they might do good things, but at the end of the day, it's mostly about them and raising their voices and putting money in their pockets and making them advance more than, any, you know, their audience. Um, whereas with community, it's, it's all about kind of sh- sharing the load and sharing, sharing the rewards um in in what whatever way that might be and that that doesn't mean to say that it's like sharing the profits it's just like you know kind of respecting the community and giving back in in ways that that you can you can give back and um so like for example at ministry of testing that i founded i used to do this by um we used to do events. I always used to uh, pay all the speakers' travel expenses. I never did keynotes. I just did everyone who came had all the travel expenses covered um, as a way to kind of like respect the speakers and, and make it like an equal playing field. Um, I always used to look out for new voices to try to raise their voices and um, lift up the, the community that way. Um so, so things like that, and it was never about me. It was, you know, I wasn't the one getting up on stage trying to say, you know, look how clever I am. Um, I actually never, ever in my like thirteen years of of or ten years of running conference since I never got up on stage to 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 speak because I didn't feel like it was my my role to do that. Um, whereas, like, if you're building an audience, typically, you know, the people who who build the audience want that they want to get up there and they want to speak they want to um profit as much as possible they want to own everything and they want to control everything um so you know that that for me is is the main difference but also i think you kind of have to build a bit of an audience to start a community because you kind of it's, it's really hard to start a community without anyone knowing who you are so you kind of have to develop some kind of audience or some kind of trust with people to be able to kick start a community it's uh it's a lovely answer and that's very funny because uh i know a lot of people who built uh, such things as communities and most of them actually are pretty introvert and shy and not wanting at all to go into the spotlight as i like to define you know so it seems likes to be a pretty common threat and um and how did you happen uh, to to end up into community building as a as a as a person who's not particularly in need to shine or just to to talk or to just to to, to speak on stage, uh, how did yourself decided to like commit into this tribe building efforts and uh, how did you ended up specializing yourself into such things as community building? If I can ask. Yeah. Um, 
So I've I've been in tech for like twenty years now. Um, I I I, I don't have any qualifications, but like when I was twenty or nineteen, I just got my first job in tech, um, and then that was like around two thousand two thousand and one, and then like I did that for a while, and and then like the the internet was getting quite, you know, obviously it was still quite new at the time but it was getting quite interesting but then around like 2007 it was like web 2.0 um and there was some like really interesting things that were going on and I went to a web conference which was like a web design type conference in in my hometown and I was quite inspired to to see that and there were a few meetups going on as well um and so my first I think my first community thing that I ever did is that I decided to start a local meetup group. Um, I'd never done it before, but um, I kind of like jumped on the idea that there, there was a meetup group in London called Girl Geek Dinners. Um, and I decided to do one in my hometown, Brighton, which, which isn't far from London. Um, so I did that and... Um, it just really took off. It was really popular for like two years. Like once a month, we would uh, like meet up. It was free, but it was always fully booked out. And it was just focused on women, and um, that was just like my first chance of like building a community. And it was amazing because it, again, I you know I had no experience doing it, but um, I just kind of dived into it. And at the same time, I was even I was a tester at the time, but I was kind of learning about marketing. Um, I was reading a lot of Seth Godin. Um, He's actually one of the people that kind of inspired me to like go deep, deeper into, into community building. Yeah, right. He's he's quite, he's quite, yeah. So he, you know, he was a big inspiration for me and like everything he said kind of made sense to me. And I just looked to kind of experiment um, with doing things and, and that meetup kind of gave me the the confidence to do that um, around the same time I, I, I started a software testing club which became Ministry of Testing and that was just like a, a really slow burner thing where I, I used Ning which is still around which is just like a hosted forum um, to kick that off but I had a bit of a audience a little bit of a reputation in testing so that was what got me started um and also at the same time i was really inspired by the like co-working movement um and i co-started a co-working space and i did that for about three years that was like 2008 to or 2009 to 2010 or 11 around those times so it was like before co-working was really popular but again that was like an amazing experience and I, I really managed to like pull people together um, and like everybody knew who I was and you know we used to do like these monthly meetups at the end of the month and um, I just have great great memories of it um, but the co-working space didn't work out mostly down to like business relationships I, I wasn't enjoying who I was doing it with so I just stopped doing that um, but I had, uh, I still dream of starting another one at some point, but <laughs> I'm not quite there yet. Um, I, I, I kind of want to do like a family-based one, but um, or family-friendly one. But um, 
because I've got I've got a few kids. But yeah, and then like as I was doing the co-working stuff, then my ministry of testing stuff was growing along uh, along the side as well. So it's like I had a few things going on at, at the same time, which is typically what I do. <laughs> This is Aurelia. I may have a complimentary question to what you were saying. So my question is, as as you as you uh, started doing all this uh, from A to uh, Z somehow, at what point did you start really to strategize what you were doing? I feel like you started along the flow uh, based on your passions and your your interests. At what point did it really happen that you were actually feeling that something was going on, uh, maybe something more long term, long term, and that you started, you know, yeah, put a strategy in front of it? Yeah. So like the meetups that I did, like the girl geek meetups, never made any money. The co-working thing I did for like two or three years, I never made any money from it. Um, so it's like you know, there's a, a big learning curve going on there. Uh, ministry of testing. I started that in 2007, just as like, a, you know, I didn't really think it would go anywhere. But um, over the years, it, it kind of grew and grew and people were, were enjoying it. And um, it was actually in like 2010, 2011, that I said to myself that this has taken up a lot of my time. It has to make money or I'm just not going to do it. So that's, that's kind of like, you know just like a point in my life where I had made a promise to myself that I had to make this make money because otherwise it would just suck my life away and I would never be able to make a living. Um, so with, with Ministry of Testing, that's, that's when I started doing conferences for my community. So we did conferences and, and, and training events and we started with uh, one event. Uh, so it was like an annual conference. And that worked. We got like 60, 70 people showing up. And so we did the same again the following year. Like the first year, it made like a very small amount of money. The second year, you know, it started kind of just like every year I would make some more money. Uh, by the third year, I was making like a reasonable income. Um, by the fourth and fifth year, I had people coming to me saying, I want, I want to do this in my hometown or in my city, or in my country. Um, so it, quite quickly, like, I think the first conference was 2012. Then by, I, I can't remember exact years, but probably like 2016, we did one in Manchester and then New York. And then after that, we did some, we did Netherlands and we did Germany. Then we did Philadelphia and San Francisco and then Australia and then New Zealand. Uh, so it started like spreading. But I, I also used that as, a, as like a basis, like we, we had recorded all the talks from all the conferences. So that was something that became like a membership model where people would have to sign up to pay for access to, to the videos. Um, and now during COVID, that's kind of, you know, that's like, our model now is that we've had to ditch events um, and just move completely online. And hopefully we're well placed for that. Um, with all We've invested in, for the past five years or so in the tech, slowly building it up. 
kind of um, self self building a lot of the stuff. Rosie, um, um, yeah. my project is about uh, uh, developing a community dedicated to uh, BAME founders in VC in France and uh, Europe in second, like uh, in the UK or in Germany. Here, for instance, BAM uh, means uh, Black, Asian, and other minority ethnics. And so the goals of the uh, of this community is uh, just to um, connect peoples of the community, uh, help each other about the project for uh, another member, and uh, also do recommendation to each other about the recruitment or startup or fundraising advices. It's about creating a good uh, spirit of uh, helping each other, if you uh, to be short. So um, I have. A, a few questions about uh, that. Uh, the first one is about uh, I want uh, before creating the company, do I need to, uh, to, to contact, promote me uh, and the future community like webinars or could I implement the community from day one? I would start with the community from day one and see if you can make it work. I think um, I think when people start a community, they have a vision of what, what it can be or what they want it to be. But then as they start trying things out, things change. You know, it might be that some things go better than you expect or some things just don't work. Um, so for me, it's like, don't, you know, I unless you really have to, like, formalize anything, avoid doing that as much as possible and, until you have to. So it's like if you don't need a company, don't set up a company. Yeah, if you you know if you if you if you don't need software, don't 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 use software. Um, if you don't need a you know some fancy forum tool, don't don't you don't use any of that. It's like start start with the basics and, and like build up. Um, and you know community at the end of the day is based on people. It's not based on technology. Technology just helps helps it. Um, and it's 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 the relationships that that matter at the end of the day. It's it's the conversations that happen that 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 create the community. Um, so you know, I I would always kind of recommend just starting as small as you can, and and trying your best to make decisions as you go, um, and, and and not to like give your, yourself a hard time if things if things don't go well. Um, because I, I think that's like an easy trap to get into. Is like you can easily look around you and think that other people are succeeding, but in reality, it's it's sometimes years in the making before people start to gain traction. But all, all that you see is the traction happening. You don't see like the hard work that has kind of gone into into all the, all the work of building the actual community. Okay. Thanks. Thanks for the advice. Um... So I think that my other question is not relevant now because uh, you answered the, the you give me the answer before. It is about uh, what is the best tool for building a community because we are community in several tools like Slack, uh, maybe another one. So uh, I thought that for you is uh, the tool is not important or there are kind of uh, tools for kind of communities. Yeah, there's a, so many tools at the moment. Um, so I, I've got uh, a, we, a website. Um, 
<laughs> I've been as part of my learning process of the past year. So basically, you know, I've been building communities for a long time, but um, I, I had my head stuck down in Ministry of Testing and not like researching what were the latest tools out there. So when I stepped back from Ministry of Testing, I, I decided to like dedicate some time to researching like the community world to see who was writing about what, see what tools are out there. Um, and I've been doing it for months, and I just keep coming across new tools all the time. Um, and for me, the problem is, say, w- when I choose to use a tool, it's it's a big, you know, especially like if it's a more, like, if it's a tool that's kind of integrated into the workflow of, of the members. So if I choose a tool, I don't want to have to change it for quite a long time because it's a lot of work to change either you know technology wise or or for the people uh, who are involved with it so it's like when, when you choose something you want to you want to stick with it and there's there's a lot of tools out there and there's a lot of new ones coming out some of them look all right um you know some of the, you know it's like circle for example is quite a new one a lot of people seem to be be adopting that um but for me, the problem is you, you don't, if, if they're new tools, you don't really know where they're heading and how it's going to support, how well it's going to support your, your community. Um, especially like with, you know, as much as I support indie hackers and, and, and tools that they're building, I struggle personally to invest in a community tool if, if, I, don't, if I don't have confidence that they're going to be around in five or ten years. If they're going to be like investing in, in in the in the kind of technology behind it, so like, how do I know that it will grow with me in the way that I want it to grow? It's you know it's such a hard thing, um, but also at the same time it's just like you know there's a whole no code movement and that's cool as well, um, but it's like you know it's it's I think it's a difficult one with communities and um, I, I I have been thinking about it a lot recently, but I I don't know what the right answer is. But so I, when I think about, like I've been thinking about starting a community, um, and I don't know what to choose. <laughs> personally, I'm still like you know I, I'm re- super reluctant to choose most of the tools that are out there, um, and a lot of that reluctance is just because I don't know what my community will end up being. So it's like how how can I choose a tool? Um, but you know there's there's plenty of tools that will get the job done. You know Slack is one of them. Circle is another. Uh, discourse is another um but uh, yeah it's 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 a hard one and and you know that is a big part it's like use you definitely should use tools that you, your community are fam- fam- familiar with or you know there's no point like pushing tools on that that they, they'll never end up using um but also is that things like telegram is like once a telegram group gets quite busy then it gets hard to manage or cope with the information to that's you know coming in so it's like you know these things are you know are, yeah it's, it's just it's a it's a really hard hard thing and I think you know personally it's just like keep things as simple as possible um for me it's like you know keep an email list or a substack for as long as you can substack has some quite nice community thre- threads and features um, I've been using, uh, well, I've, I launched my Substack, it was around like five weeks ago in French, and I actually launched an English version uh, two weeks ago because I had 
people uh, asking me for the English version, and I actually had like people you know that were telling me they were translating it in English. So I thought that was actually pretty, pretty interesting. So I, I launched the English version, and I've got this Telegram account. Um, why did I go on Telegram? It was actually because uh, I wanted a tool that was different from others, and I use WhatsApp for like friends and family. So I didn't want to use it uh, for my community. It was I wanted something that was like kind of separate. And uh, I actually like Telegram uh, once you get it because you've got this channel. And when you're on the channel, you can only broadcast and people can't answer. But you can like link to a chat. So this is actually pretty smart because the problem is that, you know, Uh, sometimes you've got people that subscribe to a community and just want to read, like lurkers, and then you've got ones that want to comment. But the problem is, if you've got people commenting, then the other ones feel like they're droning because you know they they haven't, let's say, uh, you know, uh, come to the chat for like two days, and then they come back and they've got like 120 like uh, messages, and it's like, okay, you know, I'm drowning in it, and then people unsubscribe. So the good thing about Telegram, at least that way, is that you know people that don't want to chat and just want the information stay on the main channel, and the other ones that actually want to discuss go on the other one. And then you know sometimes you can go on the chat and come back on the channel. Uh, so I mean, it's it's I, I like the idea. It's not very like the user experience when you don't understand it at first is not that simple because you know like. Since uh, the messages are published at the same time on the channel and on the chat, someone that is on both has it twice. So I have people telling me, "Well, it's 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 weird, isn't it?" But once you get the the idea behind it, and you know you can archive like the the main channel and just keep the chat or the other way around, then it's it's actually pretty smooth. And I've I've, I've so far I have like a hundred and five subscribers, and none of them have unsubscribed. So I think it, it works pretty well. And I think it's also a way of like knowing which are like your your power like users or like big fans because on the channel I've got 105 subscribers and on the chat I've got maybe 36 or 37 and those are the most active and I know those are the people if I ask questions if I want to interact with them I know they will reply so it's actually interesting I mean Telegram is an interesting example. Sure. Um, I'll I'll just um. I had a question for you, um, Rosie. So I'm, I'm a big fan of your, of your website <laughs> and your you. Notion. And I, it's like there's so much information in there. It's really, really interesting. I'm still kind of digging and reading all of it. Uh, but like w one question, it's like if you were to give us like the best three advices uh, uh, you had, like what, what yeah, would it be? Um, you know, for community building. I think, yeah. I, to me, it's like I'm. I I I I still feel like I'm learning about community building. Um, so for me, how how I approach it is just being human, and it sounds it sounds really basic, um, and almost like stupid, um, but and and I think of like being human, like more like perhaps in in the traditional kind of way is like trying to think back to the roots of like humanity is like 
to me, I'm I'm not really an expert in that, but I, I go with my my gut feeling is that community is so important to 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 us as as humans. It's like to survive, we need each other, and um, and that actually, I, like in when I when I was going through my journey of learning about communities, like around 2007 to 2010, I got quite into like social entrepreneurship and that kind of really inspired me it's like doing you know businesses that were trying to do good things and make money um, and that kind of like stuck with me a lot throughout my journey so it's like um, community basically you know taking that into mind is like as I, I I really wanted to build community but I knew for me personally I had to make it sustainable um, in a financial way for me and nobody seemed to be to, to be kind of talking much about that it was like well either you do social good stuff or you go uh where the money is you know for you know you, you sell your soul or something like that and i, I kind of you know really struggle with that say, because you know i want to make decent money not just because i want money but because you know it's like i, I, I want to be paid enough and i want to be able to do good things with the money that i make without necessarily being a charity um and so i think i think for me a lot of my basically you know long story short a lot of my community focus has been on how can i do good in in the work that i'm doing whilst also making money and looking after myself as a person um so say you say um how can i help the people around me how can how can i raise their voices um how, how can i shout about them as much as possible how can you know if if i lift them up um uh, then we're all gonna kind of be lifted up um and you know it's like um and kind of like ha- having having the trust that that's that that will in the long term uh kind of bring value uh, or bring growth or whatever way you want to look at it but um so yeah basically instead of thinking of, me, of what I, what can be done for me is like what can be done for the people and if you do good things for people, they'll always remember you. It's 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 the old classic saying of people will always remember how you make them feel, um, but they won't remember what you said, but they'll remember how you make them feel. So it's like my everything I do is that I want to make people feel good, um, and like you know, as as an example at Indie Hackers, I do this a lot um, with with Twitter. Um, I will find what people are saying on Indie Hackers and. I will um, shout them out on Twitter. I will promote their products. Um, I will retweet their stuff. Um, I will start conversations that, that that will help people. I will I will ask questions, and and that's all about lifting people up. And I think people uh, really really notice that. Um, and with Ministry of Testing, I did that by really focusing on on speakers and new voices. I lifted up. Uh, a whole industry there just by uh, focusing on people who, who never had a voice, who never got listened to. And I, because I was in the community constantly, I would see interesting things and I had, I could see like little sparks, little bits of light in them. And I would, um, you know, just approach them and talk to them and say, you should do this, you, sh- you should do that. And uh, quite, you could 
speak to a lot of testers and a lot of them will say that the first time they ever publicly spoke was through Ministry of Testing and that they never would have had the courage to do that if I hadn't like, approached them at, at, the, at the beginning. Um, so that's kind of a, a, a not very precise answer, but I, th- I, th- I think the basis of it is do good for people and it will kind of return return back to you. I um I want to talk about growth hacking. Uh, I I feel I don't I do not feel comfortable at all as soon as we mention this uh, discipline. May we call that a discipline? I'm not sure. Um, how do you balance? Because I, I want to I'm going to share a concrete example so you you see where where I'm heading at. So I was. Uh, aggressively followed and and unfollowed by the co-founder of a pretty famous um, startup accelerator or incubator here in Paris. And I started engaging with the guy and say, well, the guy had something like 13K followers and sort of a community, I think. And I was like, why are you doing this? I mean, your incubator is famous and you seem to have quite to be have quite quite a trendy profile so why would you do that and he was he just answered me well you know when you want to build a community you can't count on organic growth and it doesn't go quick enough for me so i'm i can't wait that much i don't want to wait that much so uh i need to do some follow and follow and i know the this one this this strategy was not the only growth hacking thing he was doing so i'm sure and I, of course, there is a big issue with reputation because I found it somehow a little bit ridiculous and I don't want to follow the guy anymore, of course. But um, do you understand why people are making somehow, I don't want to judge here, but this mistake of being too aggressive? And did you ever consider or try this type of mechanism? Uh, yeah. Or are you totally against the idea? I, I've or, you know? always been against it. I, I never understand that approach. Um it's just it's it's sad. It's really sad, and I, I think because like um, maybe you can have empathy with the people because maybe they're under pressure to achieve certain goals and certain stats. Or, but you know, at the, at the end of the day, it's fake growth, right? It's it's not real. It's like people trying to make their numbers look good, but the real engagement isn't there, and um, you can't you can't really hide hide that kind of stuff. It's like there's, there's so many Twitter accounts out there that don't have engagement. You know, they might have a lot of followers, but you know, there's not really much connection between 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 the the Twitter person and and the followers. So it's like, what's the point? There's, there's just like no point doing that. Um, so it's like, yeah, growth hacking. I don't like the term. I I've I've never uh, in you know. I've never enjoyed it. I I have read about it a lot and I do enjoy kind of reading about it in the sense of I'm interested to see what kind of tactics people are using to grow because that helps me learn as a community person what people are doing and it helps me choose whether I want to do some of their things or not. Uh, Most of the time it's like, no, I I won't bother. And most of the time, my decisions are based on doing the right thing, um, and 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 not obsessing over 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 numbers. Um, and so, like with ministry with ministry of testing, I never really paid attention to the numbers. Um, 
but I was very motivated. I guess the, the only numbers that I was very motivated to, to achieve was to get a certain amount of people signed up to the events that we were doing because those numbers mattered. Um, not just from a financial perspective, but I believed to create a good event, um, you needed a certain amount of people. So I was personally motivated to ensure that a X amount of people would, you know, attend an event. Otherwise, it would affect the experience of the people that were there. And sometimes that meant me giving away tickets, and I was okay with that. Sometimes it meant, you know, giving scholarships away or just, you know, doing competitions or, you know, trying to do good things to, to get the numbers in. Um, but, uh, yeah, never never sneaky tactics. I, I, I think it's fake, basically, and it doesn't really help growth from a community, from a community perspective. It can help businesses grow, but... When you're thinking of community, I, I, I don't, I don't believe in it, and um, it's, it's been, it's been really interesting doing the work at Indie Hackers because there's, there's a lot of similarities with ministry of testing, um, and, but, so you know, some things are different, but again, all the growth there has been completely organic, um, so it's like you know, we, we just focus on trying to do the best things we can and trying to uh, advance the the industry like for, for indie hackers I'm basically you know told that everything we do is to make the indie hacking world better if that's if what you're doing is not helping us achieve that goal then there's probably no point doing it but we, we do have targets to hit kind of um, we have kind of loose targets of growing our emails and growing our uh, audience but we're not using any fake tactics to make that happen we're, we're very much focused on trying to do it in the best possible way we can so i'm i'm alexis and uh, i'm running a, a company that is doing training for no-code tools and we also we started a year ago building the no-code French-speaking community, which is very exciting and is growing. And there's a lot of uh, similarities with Indie Hackers, and I'm a big fan of Indie Hackers. And actually, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions about Indie Hackers, not necessarily community building per se, but taking the chance since you're, you're here. Um, I, I just wanted to actually ask you maybe if you can give us a definition of indie hackers because i think people who will be listening to the podcast might not know and i would be curious to hear how you define a indie hacker and also how one does become a indie hacker on the indie hackers website it says indie hacker is a person building an online project that can generate revenue or a person seeking financial independence creative freedom and the ability to work on their own schedule um so if you go to indiehackers.com slash start, you can you can read that definition. Um, to me, indie hackers are basically, you know, lots of people refer them to it as like bootstrappers, founders, independent founders who are looking to build sustainable, profitable businesses um, in normally, you know, a good and ethical way. Um, so, um, yeah, that's that's what indie hackers is. How, so how can they become an indie hacker? Any anyone can become an indie hacker. Um, you have the, the the thing with I think creating a business is that it's really broad. 
and it's really hard to define what a business person is these days. And I think, especially like you know, if we take like Substack or newsletters as, as an example, is like you can be an indie hacker with just a newsletter, and you can turn newsletters into into a profitable business. Um, or you can you can look to perhaps create you know something more than that, or create a, a, a SaaS product or an info product info product. Um, you know, there's you know it could be anything. It it doesn't have to be like just for online stuff, but uh, basically making money with with ideally the help of of the internet because every you know everything these days relies on the internet to kind of make make things happen. Um, and and to become an indie hacker, you just got to start. And and it sounds it sounds pretty cheesy, but um, you got to start somewhere with 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 an idea of something and. And, and follow that journey and see where it leads you. Um, so it's like quite often people start with an idea. Sometimes people start with a problem. Um, often those things go hand in hand. Um, but the the basis is like, are, are you are you serving a market? Are you are you addressing a problem that someone is willing to pay for? Um, and, and it's hard sometimes. You know, sometimes people get it on their first shot, and other times people. Uh, you know, trying uh, after one, two, three years to, to make it happen. Um, it's it's not it's not necessarily an easy journey. Um, when I started my business, I, I would class myself as an indie hacker when I started it, um, before the term was actually uh, made up. But um, I spent three, four, five years before I actually made any money. Um, so... Um, you know, anyone can do it, and you know, I would I, personally, I would encourage anyone to do. It. I think it's, I think it's a way forward and and the future to to be able for people to live independently and f- follow the interests that they have, um, and you know, it's not always fun working for other people, but I, I work for Indie Hackers right now and I'm quite enjoying it. So, <laughs> you know, it's okay to work for other people as well sometimes. <laughs> No problem. A uh, couple of questions. Uh, first one, pretty short one. Uh, in the hacker, I haven't noticed it's uh, premium based or registration based or things like this. So I would like to ask you if you have any revenue model uh, in your head. Just uh, like uh, if you predict any growth, I mean, uh, how can you just uh, how can you generate enough revenue in order to sustain what seems to be an ever growing community? And uh, so that's the first question. Well, okay, let's answer the first question. I will ask the second one after, but it's pretty longer. Yeah, sure. So Indie Hackers was uh, started by Cortland uh, four or five years ago now. Um, and about nine months after it started, it got acquired by Stripe. Um, so it doesn't have to make any money. That definitely changes the dynamic of the community. Um, we don't have to like sell stuff. We don't have to spend time like selling stuff we don't have to think up of products to 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 sell Uh, we don't have to have advertising Um, and at the same time i think i think stripe has done it uh quite well as well it's like they don't you know they support it and they're quite lean with it you know we're still a very small team um it's it's mostly just me Cortland, and channing full-time and there's a few freelancers who help out 
Um, so yeah, it's quite lean, but they they don't you know they don't really push stuff. So like I've been there eighteen months and I've never had to push like the Stripe brand. Yeah, they just literally want to do yeah, really nice, positive yeah. things. Nice. It's quite cool. It's very clever from them, yeah. So you are like building a community of people who launch business, and so sooner or later they can just think about Stripe as a payment solution. So it's like a nurturing uh, uh, content and community-based uh, accelerator for uh, business creators who might use a payment solution in the future. So it's a long bet, yeah. a long investment, but that's pretty. That's very clever from them. Yeah. Uh, my second question it may be a bit more complex. Um, I see around me tons of people who launch community effort-based things such as uh, book uh, or, you know, things just when they want to, uh, like, uh, uh, people uh, people contribute, you know, and build together things. And I've been fortunate enough to be invited into such communities. But uh, what I discovered, and I had the problem myself when trying to build communities, is people are very enthusiastic at the beginning, but after a moment... <laughs> Uh, it's just uh, the retention is really a key issue. Uh, so far, uh, the, the, the best experiment I had with a WhatsApp group, which uh, is now like 300 people, like eating on a daily basis and sharing examples. And I'm just intervening like once a week. And uh, it's just um, uh, how do you manage? I mean, uh, especially with uh, web-based community, with uh, complex things such as forums or things like this, with indie hackers, for example, how do you manage to people to remember to log in on a daily basis or a weekly basis? How do you manage to people to think back about the community and uh, don't forget to come back on a regular basis? Do you have any tips that you appreciate that you might want to share with us? Oh, it's, it's hard. It's definitely a hard one to try to pull people back in. I think it's the biggest challenges of community building is that you're constantly, you know, trying to bring value. And I think I think personally that uh, at the end of the day you have to have something that people want that they feel is valuable, and and sometimes it's hard to figure out what that value is. Um. So yeah, I mean I think that's what it comes down to. I mean, uh, and I think it comes down to putting yourself in other people's shoes. It's like why why would they come back and spend time with you? People have twenty four hours in a day; they have to sleep eight hours. On average, uh, they have to work. They probably have family to take care of. Why? Why should they spend time in your community? Um, and I think I think that's you know the, probably one of the biggest questions that you should be asking when when you're building a community. And if you can't answer that, then, then that's probably um, a bit of a problem, I guess. You know, uh, and, and you know. In communities, it's hard to. I I still struggle doing that. It's hard to sometimes talk about the value that you do offer. Um, yeah, it's 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 challenging. Um, so it's like, I I think I think part of it is probably value based and belonging based. So it's like they, they need to feel like there's value there, and they need to feel like they belong. And they, yeah. they kind of go. But you, for example, you're a good example. Uh, within the hackers, there are probably plenty of people who come on the page in order to search for tools or advices, you know, just uh, for a specific need, or is are fortunate enough, thanks to a Google search, to identify you and even create an account for a while. But uh, how do you manage to involve people into this, like, uh, build it publicly stuff and exchange advices with others and belong to circle of discussions? Yeah. 
Do you have like a, a way to uh, make people more and more invested into it? Just uh, do you have anything like a journey or something like this? Yeah, I mean, there's a few things going on. Um, so like Indie Hackers is custom built, which I think more communities need to do, especially as they have potential and they get bigger. It's like not to jump out and just use a, 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 a tool that's, you know, off the shelf. Um, so obviously there's disadvantages of that, but the advantages that I see are, are, are quite amazing in the fact that, you know, the journey is customized. So there's, a, there's an onboarding journey that Cortland has has created, which is which is pretty nice. It's like when people sign up, they get uh, um, there's a, like an onboarding flow. It has a few steps. They get a welcome message from me on the forum, and they're encouraged to participate um, as they sign up because like that's you know, we believe that if they like leave a comment when signing up, then it probably they probably have a higher chance of coming back. Um, or people might leave a comment on their comment and then they'll get a notification and that will help them kind of come back as well. Um, there's other things like uh, emails. There's probably, I don't know, like eight types of emails that they can subscribe to. A lot, a lot of them are kind of automated. Um, so some, a lot of it is based on the content that the community creates. So there's milestones. Um, so there's a daily milestone email that goes out, like the top three or five milestones. Um, get emailed out if you're subscribed to that list. Uh, you can get emails from people that you follow, uh, things like that. So it, it kind of reminds people to, to come back. Um, there's the podcast again, which is quite popular, and that reminds people to come back. There's there's interviews um, that, yeah, I mean, I'm personally doing some meetups, but that be, even before I was doing them, there were meetups across the globe that people were uh, organizing themselves, uh, all volunteer-led. Um, then there's things like the Twitter that I do. So, so I try to elevate voices on Twitter. So that also pulls people into the actual community. Um so it's like trying to fi yeah, and figure out what works. Um, and I, I think it's all of those things together. Um, quite often it's like you kind of need like a bit of a flywheel effect. You need this like loop that goes round. It's like, you know, so, mm. someone makes a post. So how can we, you know, yeah. elevate that post or, you know, spread the post? And one way is email, another way is Twitter and um you know how can how can you talk about people? Is that if you talk about people, then those people that you're talking about will naturally come and see what you're saying yeah, about sure. about them, uh, stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, very understandable, very basic stuff. But yeah, no, not 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 used enough, of course. And the combination of means is pretty uh, intelligent as well. Just the fact to have several means in order to be remembered by people is probably much more efficient than trying to build the perfect feedback loop or the perfect loop. Thank you very much for your advices. No problem. Um, my question is um, is about super user. Um, for me, at, at the beginning of uh, my project, do, do, you need, do you think that I need to promote a kind of super user to help me uh, develop the community? Or do I need to do all the work by myself? 
I always rely on me and only me to make things happen, <laughs> especially in the beginning. Um, it do, you know, it doesn't mean that you can't okay. seek help, but re- relying on anybody in the early days is is not a good thing. Um, you have you have to kind of expect to do to do most of the work yourself, and expect people just not to be reliable and not to not to last. Um, and it just you know I think if you have realistic expectations, then then it kind of uh, makes it easier to to kind of um, have a long term vision. Is that you? You as a founder are responsible for for the community. No one else is going to have that attachment to the community like you are, um, and you can't you can't expect other people to, um, unless they're co founders maybe. But um, so you so you ha- you have to you have to put in the hard work, um, and people have lives, you know, and all sorts of stuff happens. So it's like. I would definitely like build up strong relationships and look for support from people and look for people that believe in what you're doing. Um, but I think also you need to res- respect who these people are um, a- and give back to them in, in any way that you can. And, and that doesn't always mean money, but sometimes it, it can mean money. But um, you know, so how, how can you give back to these people and support these people so that, you know, when when they need to support a community like yours, they'll support your community and not someone else's. Okay, Rosie, thanks. I have a question for you. Um, Let's say in two years, there there are a lot of successful um, indie projects and indie creators. And let's say uh, uh, the the people behind this project um, make profitable uh, revenues. Maybe some uh, of these creators uh, will thrive together, like they thrive on indie hackers right now, but maybe they will thrive together in a micro community, a vertical micro community about sport, about entertainment, I don't know. So how do you see the future uh, and how um, corporate role could uh, give, give a push to uh, this um these new creators uh, in the future? Even how could the investment world could um, help uh, indie creators? Because we, we we think it's not possible be- because of the bootstrap thing. But maybe there is a future about that. What do you think, Rosie? I don't know. I'm, I'm not I'm not big into, you know, I've, I've never liked the corporate world. Um, and I wish more more of them would do the right thing. Um, and I think about this sometimes and say, and I think about Stripe and I think Stripe do, you know, obviously have biases, but I honestly think Stripe do some r- really positive things. Um, so, you know, without, without sounding like too cheesy, it's like, you know, why can't, why can't more companies be like Stripe and do, and do positive things and, and hire hire the best kind of people to to, to make an impact. Um, I, I'd, lo- I'd that's I'd love the world to be like that, um, but I, I can't see, I can't see it happening. Um, yeah, wishful thinking. But you know, it's like 
if Stripe's doing it, maybe maybe that will start a trend. Maybe other companies will will take note and, and you know follow suit. Um, but even so, it's like indie hackers can can you know follow good values as well. So it's like um, we can all strive to live in a better world. We can all strive to make good money, um, and we cannot choose what to do with that money and choose be- better ways to spend it. I think. Um, so that's that's how I like to think. Like personally, I'm very motivated. I'm very motivated to to like make money. But what motivates me is is what I can end up doing doing with that money, um, and what I can make happen. So that, that's what that's what excites me. It's not it's not about like buying more stuff. It's just like I can make a change to people's lives if I make more money. Do you mind if I ask a really last one? <laughs> Go on. I have to ask it, Rosie. Yeah, I don't want to le- let you go, Rosie. This <laughs> is uh, really interesting to me. I feel like a newbie, but thanks for all this. Okay. My last question would be, uh, it's, I think it's going to be an easy one. Um, would you tell us who are your, let's say, uh, role models in the domain of community building, the people you admire for either their success or their, the way they strive for the good reasons to build cool communities? If you have like two or three of them to share with us, that would be maybe good references for us to investigate. Yeah. Um, so for me, for me, because I I started like going back like two thousand and seven ish, and then I didn't really read a lot after like two thousand and ten, like specifically related to communities. So these days, I feel like I'm catching up on like some of the books and stuff that that are out there. Um, At the moment, I like Peter Block. I've been reading his book, and I find it quite inspiring. It's a bit intense. I feel I feel like I have to read it slowly. So that's, I think, you know, that's really interesting for me. I get a lot of inspiration from that. In in the early days, uh, could you give us the title of a book? The book? uh, I think it's the structure of belonging. I like Priya Parker. I think her book recently was quite good. Uh, The I can't remember what it's called. Um, t- yeah, if you search Priya Parker book. Um, we'll find on Rosyland. Yeah, it will definitely be the the art of gathering. That's it. So so yeah, that that was I quite enjoyed that. Um, but in the early days, I used to it was Seth Godin for me, even though it was more marketing kind of related rather than strictly community building. Um, And um, one that people don't talk about, I'm actually doing a talk next week for hers, is Tara Hunt. Um, she actually wrote a book called The Woofy Factor. Um, and that was, that's all kind of based on like social capital, um, do, doing, doing things for, for, you know, woofy, she would call it. Um, so she's been around and... And she she was part of the co-working scene, you know, back in the day as well. Um, and then on top of that, I would say Alex Hillman, um, just because he's he's again co you know I, I did co-working and he's very much been into communities for quite a long time, and he he has some good thoughts about communities in general. You have just listened our last fireside conversation with Wazi Cherry. If you're working on a side project and looking to be 
self-independent, um, we strongly recommend you to watch IndiaCurse.com. To get news from us, our podcast, and get uncreated resources from and for online community builders, think to subscribe to our Substack newsletters on airparty.substack.com. And if you want to join other community builders from Passion Economy like newsletter authors, let's join our club with our premium membership on Substack. It's 10 euro a month and you'll join other fellow like you. You will find all the support, accountability spirit and the care you need to build a fantastic tribe with your audience. See you later. Thanks a lot, Rosie. Thanks a lot, Alex. Thanks a lot, Paul. Bye. Bye.